and I'm really excited. My dad wants to teach me more and more about our business, but he's not used to letting go. <laughs> By the time I get home, I don't have much energy left for my family or for myself. I wake up with the mission of helping somebody else. It's just so hard to think about me. Decide what kind of life you would like to lead. You are important. What? Stick yourself in your mouth and see if it sparks joy. Let's go. Bienvenidos a Corn Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love, when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt. Hi, I'm I'm Bryce Castillo. We're filling in for for Brian Brushwood today. Uh, hi, Tom. Bienvenidos a, a to también. Gracias, gracias. <laughs> uh, so, uh, tú eres importante, uh, se dice Marie Kondo. Uh, yeah, that's a, a trailer for a new series on Netflix starring Marie Kondo. It's called uh, Sparking Joy with Marie Kondo, which is apparently not what the last series was called. So they, they've got three episodes. No, she just said it a lot in the last series, but it wasn't actually called that. Yeah, they had to put a big trademark sign in the logo this time. <laughs> uh, so this is going to be a three-episode stint where... Oh, uh, it's short. It is short, where she goes and helps not just people, but goes and helps uh, businesses and the families mm. who work and operate there. So it's the home, it's the business, it's the yes. work-life work relationship. So with business, you would hold certain income in your hand. And if it doesn't spark joy, you hide mm -hmm. it from the IRS. That, <laughs> that's right. You have to ding a bell on the courts. And if it rings for longer than 10 seconds, then you get a, then you get a 1040. Uh-huh. So, so uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. This, no, this, I can't wait to see this. When is it coming to Netflix? Uh, that's coming to Netflix August 31st. So pretty soon. Two weeks. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, folks, uh, we are got uh, a full show. We are got, we, we got. are got a full show of, of English good <laughs> for you, starting with our primary tone. Warner Brothers is using a company called DID to let you put yourself in the trailer for the upcoming movie Reminiscence. Uh, Reminiscence is one of those like head twister you know are you moving back in time or not is it all imaginary uh if you would like to be in the trailer head to banister and associates.com you'll be asked a few questions uh in line with the theme of the movie uh they have you do a few things to fine-tune the memory just just kind of you know time wasty stuff uh and at the end uh you upload a picture now it could be a picture of yourself could be a picture of somebody else uh they do give you some uh some guidelines of like it should be the just the face it should have an expression and then at the end you get a brief snippet from the trailer with your head floating at it uh blinking and in my case smiling did started as a company to protect people against facial recognition but they built a really strong face engine that can train on a single photo did is also the same company that created videos from photos of dead relatives uh, they're working with museums to create videos of artists talking about their work. Oh, Tom, look at that smile. Oh, the, what's look crazy about the smile? Cheeks. Yeah, that's the thing is it brought you to life, but this is a different Tom. This is Tom T-H-O-M. <laughs> yeah. Also, I think with the with the photo I gave, it's not a full smile, mm. so you don't see the bottom teeth. So the the algorithm has no bottom teeth to work with. So the smile never quite fully opens up. Uh, they're working on full body animation. Can't wait to see what they might do with that. Uh, with that could be used for TikTok or YouTube. Uh, they say to kind of help people out. Uh, they they obviously could do this kind of stuff for movies. Um, were you brave enough to upload a photo? Price? No, I di I didn't get a chance to do it, but I I I'm impressed by by the one that you shared with with me, the one that we just saw. And I always think that anytime that there's a video, a lot Facebook does this a lot with your own photos, and um, you know that we we I, I don't know if it was on this program or weird things, but we talked about you know bringing uh, old art paintings and photos back to life with this technology. Mm -hmm. And I don't I don't know that it's. Impre I mean, I think it is impressive on a technical level, but I think the thing that resonates with people the most is, oh, that is me in it. And I know I took that photo. I know where that was. Fo that photo was taken. I know, you know, I watched you, the you smile, I know. And that's not how Tom smiles. That's not how Tom looks in motion. But that's Tom. That's Tom in the trailer. And and at the very least, this is a very, very novel PR stunt. <laughs> at worst. <laughs> 
I, it, it is. It's very obviously a PR stunt. Uh, it's a really good deep fake algorithm. Uh, I have to say, uh, it, it does look like natural movements, even if it did some weird stuff to my face. Uh, I absolutely see this becoming a feature in the future, right? The, oh, yeah. the fact that Warner Brothers is working with DID, I, I could imagine a world where this continues uh, to, to, to be worked on and there being, and I feel like we've mentioned this on the show before too, uh, movies or TV shows that you could put yourself into. Yeah. Where you you could see like, and there probably be more guidelines of like, well, you need you need to have this kind of picture of yourself and and full you know fully open smile, not just front teeth. You look <laughs> like a chipmunk, like Tom did. Uh, but 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 say but with guidelines to like help make it really good because the deepfake algorithm is getting so good that it it does this on one photo. I think that's the thing to 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 put out there it's trained to be able to recognize any photo and turn it into a full motion natural action video uh it doesn't have to be given a ton of photos which is what you would normally do if you want to bring like Cary grant back back to life uh so the the idea that you could have a tv series where there's going to be a minor character in the background they maybe write them to just only kind of grunt or you know never really give a lot of lines and then put you on there while you're watching it. I, I, I know a bunch of people would love that. Oh, for sure. And and I I feel like broadly speaking, the next the next position for deepfakes is I think I think very similar to animation. Like I think it, I I think that we 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 already know that Hollywood is using this technology, right? In right. the example of Carrie Fisher, or in uh, in any number of aging, de aging, augmenting yep. live video. Um, that it, it happens so much that the next thing is to make it easy and make it very accessible. I think, yeah, that's the the crazy part is with Carrie Fisher, there was a lot of work went into doing it, right? It was done, a lot of it was done by hand. Uh, this is like, you upload a photo and then, you know, a second later, you, <laughs> you've got, you've yeah. got yourself floating in there uh, in the trailer. And if that's the case, I hadn't even thought about a whole jib jab series, right? that's written to be <laughs> yeah. certain types of people. And you're like, oh, I can upload myself and my sister and my wife and my husband. And, and you just, you know, put it all in there. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and now you're watching a, like, what a great family thing for people to do. Uh, it's and, like, oh, this is going to be a show about us, the family. I uploaded all of us. Yeah. Well, and with, with taking it at the fidelity of live action, I think we, I think we will end up going beyond jib jabs right i mean that's i think is the next sort of step right a, a paint by numbers but i could see a world where you know we talk about tiktok or youtube or something opening this up and the next thing is put yourself in the viral video right uh -huh. like yeah. oh here's a tiktok of someone doing a crazy flip and then there's a little star now button i'm doing the crazy and now you're doing it and they it they recognize lighting they rec like I, I think that's that's a, a, a novel possibility that will intersect with with people because uh, this technology is already in use in Hollywood. All of this stuff is being used for major films where there's millions of dollars. But opening it up and having people more invested in social video as, is going to happen sooner. I look at VTubers, right? This happens yeah. with streaming, right? People want to be a cartoon image of themselves. But what if the next step is, hey, we have got the picture perfect, every hair right in its place, yeah. VTuber for you. What what if you're you're a VTuber, but instead of an animated character, your character is, uh, you know, uh, George Washington, yeah. <laughs> or you a know, celebrity, like or a, yeah, yeah, your character is Mark Twain. Like it, it's gonna have to, it's gonna be a while before you're allowed to do like recent people who have estates and and rights over their images and stuff. But but you could start with historical characters that that we have images of uh, right. Abraham Lincoln. We got photos of him. You could be Abraham Lincoln tomorrow. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. I, I think we have nothing to do but reckon with the fact that the technology will arrive. There's nothing. Yeah. It's happening. <laughs> this this feels to me, first of all, like the kind of thing that people overreact to and get scared about. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Like just like Photoshop was in the, in the 90s uh, and never ends up being as abused as people are worried about because everybody's keeping their eye on it. But also the kind of thing that is the where you see the democratization of tech become disruptive right you know the idea of uh of wow i can now get a cheap camera and make a movie 
didn't drive movies out of business. It caused YouTube, right? It caused right. it caused Vimeo. It ca- it caused all of this entire subculture uh, to come, and then that moving into phones caused Snapchat and TikTok. Uh, and so I wonder what the stuff we're talking about, what will be the new platform? What will be the new thing that that, that creates? Yeah. And I think more likely than not, the th- or hopefully, I, I guess I hope this more than I think, I hope that it's a new platform. I want to see more and more yeah, yeah. players. I, I don't like how, I mean, this is off topic, but there's we're so entrenched in a couple of tentpole social media networks. I'd love for, much like TikTok has kind of come on the space for video, I want to see more options like that. Listen, IBM is number one. <laughs> no other computer company is ever going to be bigger than IBM. Oh, wait. Oh, Microsoft. Sorry. Microsoft is number one. No other computer. Oh, sorry. Google and Facebook are number one, Bryce. <laughs> I need to update this take periodically. Yeah. No one's ever going to. Yeah. You know how no, we all love Facebook and yeah, Google and we're, Reddit. Right we're, now. On the, we're on the cusp of, of, of the, uh, the revolution in the sense of like the turning of the tide, not uh, you know, people with pitchforks, the, the other revolution. <laughs> yes. Like what, what that term is originally, uh, uh, built right. on, which is a wheel. And this Car revolution still wheel. won't be televised. It's funny enough. No, it will be on YouTube or will it, or will or it be will on, it? Or it'll on, be on David YouTube. who knows yeah. what it's called. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, what is uh, televised. Well, we are also televised uh, in a certain way, and that's thanks to you. Uh, if you weren't here, we wouldn't be here. We've been here for more than seven years, thanks to you. Uh, and we cannot thank you enough. If you are listening to this show and you have a dollar or two to spare every month uh, and you're not helping out on Patreon, you're missing out. You're not part of the community uh, the way thousand other people are, That's right. uh, and you get some perks. You get some. You get some inside thoughts on on how the show is is done. And after talk, you get spoiler in time early. Uh, so go check it out, folks. Keep us loud, live, and independent, as Brian always says. Patreon.com slash cordkillers. Let's talk Let's about, talk about how, how to watch. <laughs> okay, I love this one. Designer Lynn Fisher in Arizona has created an alternate world streaming video website, which sadly has no video, but we'll get to that, called Nestflix. So it looks as designed very similar to Netflix, but the only listings on Nestflix are movies and TV shows from inside the world of other movies and TV shows. Uh, so go check it out at nestflix.fun. Well, I'm sorry, Tom, uh, are you telling me that Goodwill Hunting 2 colon hunting season is not airing on Nestflix right now? It is not, but uh, it was mentioned in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and therefore it is nested inside <sighs> of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and therefore listed on Nestflix. Licks. Uh, so other fun. listings include Aquaman starring Vincent Chase, the character from Entourage, Rural Juror, a, a show featured in 30 Rock. In fact, a good number of these are shows that were mentioned in 30 Rock. Fisher describes it as a wiki doing some cosplay, since there's no actual streaming video on the site. It's just a wiki. However, it does have descriptions, screenshots, cast lists, uh, and more to that wiki claim, you can contribute shows or movies that aren't listed to help it make help make it more comprehensive. Though, as of this recording, Fisher had gotten so many, she had to temporarily pause submissions, but she doesn't intend wow. uh, to bring them back again. Tom, this is so fun. This is this is this is really fun. And and the I thought that this was a tif- totally different story. I only heard the headline about this, and I thought this was a completely different story. But I think this is such a fun way to do this right it is basically a wiki you don't need very complicated information maybe you find a link to a clip of it being mentioned in these shows maybe not i mean then then you get a copyright like i i think this is a really clever way to take just a little pool of data just a small pool of information and present it in a fun natural way this looks like the netflix user interface and Hulu. There's a bit of Hulu in here, too. I there, there is. It, it's it's enough that she's not going to get a trade design lawsuit. <laughs> uh, but, it, but it does look like a modern streaming service. Uh, S. Kramer00 asking if the fake movie from Scott Pilgrim is in it. Yes. The Lucas Lee Collection. Eight hours and 24 minutes of movies. Uh, before releasing his iconic action film, Talk to the Fist, Lucas Lee proved he's number two to no one else. Starring Lucas Lee, 
from Action Picture Classics at Oscar Wright Studios, as wow. seen in Scott Pilgrim versus the World 2010. And yeah, and it's not just little things. I mean, they have uh, itchy and scratchy here, right? Like from The Simpsons, like yeah. which you almost forget is a fictional show, <laughs> right? Because we and and it's weird because you do see it. You see the show in The Simpsons. That's ah, this is so clever. This is too clever. Yeah. You, I, I, I had to stop myself from searching around in this. Like you can, you can spend hours to, because the other thing it does is it Lucas Lee collection tells you like action doctor, you just don't exist. The game is over too, are all in this collection. You might also like all my circuits, the movie, which is from Futurama or Hamlet starring Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> or uh, McBain uh, from Simpsons or uh, Kick Puncher 2, codename Punch Kicker, which is from Community. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, and so you can just keep going through it and you're like, oh, this is this is mentioning Gandhi 2, which was uh, seen in the movie in UHF in 1989. <laughs> like, <laughs> I do like they even have they do have screenshots from the shows. Yeah. Um, where they're mentioned. So you get a little yeah, bit stills. of a reminder. They, got, they have stills from the show. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is so fun. Oh, that's so fun. Um, it's one of the few times we're actually covering something you can't watch. So it's how <laughs> it's, to watch. How not to watch. Mark. <laughs> uh, it would be great if we lived in an intellectual property ecosystem that would allow her to put clips in there legally. Right. Uh, I understand why why she didn't, and it's probably best she didn't in the current climate. But man, how great would it be if you could watch samples? You know, if there if there were samples to all this stuff. But it does tell you the source, so you can always try to find it yourself if if you really are into it. Yeah, or or even like uh, some more information. Either like okay, it's from this episode, or uh, like a t I think a time coded link would be time great, codes, right? Yeah. But then yeah. some of these shows move around so much that it's not just a single URL. It suddenly you got to track all of these shows right. and then it becomes a huge hassle. Now it becomes an entire just watch competitor if you <laughs> have to do that. So no, mm -hmm. I, I get, I, I think she did a good job of, of picking where to draw the line. Uh, so you have enough information to go find it yourself, but, but it's not uh, becoming unbearable to keep up and it, it's really filled and, with and stuff. having search is really smart too, because yeah. sometimes you remember, maybe you remember, I don't know, uh, America's kids got singing, but you don't remember that's a 30 rock bit. And now you, you can, you can pull it up I, I, and you can search by the source. I, uh, when, when oh. S Kramer asked that earlier, I just searched Scott Pilgrim, uh, and it brought up the collection of the movies from Scott Pilgrim. Oh, so. that's great too. Yeah. Oh, they thought of everything. She did. Good job. Lynn Fisher. Very good job. Well done. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about what to watch and under surveillance. Variety interviewed the team behind the upcoming TV version of Why the Last Man and dealt with some of the questions uh, we had discussed on the show previously, like how do you update the story that ran as a graphic novel from 2002 to 2008 for the sentiments, beliefs, and situations of 2021? Well, one thing showrunner Eliza Clark said is that they're going to focus on the fact that the virus wipes out people with Y chromosomes. Back in 2002... They just said it wipes out guys and it did have to do with white chromosomes and that's all just explained. But Eliza's taking that a little farther. Clark says, quote, every living mammal with a Y chromosome dies. Tragically, that includes many women. It includes non-binary people. It includes intersex people. Clark adds, there are numerous men in the show who have two X chromosomes and they're important characters. So one thing that's different about this take on the show is that Yorick can walk around without a mask on. He doesn't have to disguise himself. People just assume he's trans. Hmm. Other things aren't different, like the fact that 95% of truck drivers are men with white chromosomes, which leaves the logistics industry in a huge mess, just like in the book. Uh, so they're not changing everything. But I thought that was an interesting way to say, like, all right, let's take this from the conversation of 2002 and make it a conversation that would happen in 2021. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, you know, it can only speak, it's, like Brian would say, it's a heuristic, right? The fact that the creator is out speaking in this way about how the show will touch on 
chromosomes, gen- gender, uh, and and so on. I think that's a good sign. Uh, I it's it's hard to say whether the show is good or not based on this story, but sure that that concern suddenly beca- feels addressed. It feels addressed in a way that um, is I think is probably a little explicit if you know the book and you know some of these characters and you know some of the concerns. And I think for, you know I don't I don't know the book, but I think it makes sense that a you know a twenty year old gra- graphic novel might have outdated uh, uh, or or uh, let's say let's say just outdated senses of gender like it's good this is a good sign well partly because society has changed how it sees other people uh in 2002 uh i can tell you that if why the last man had happened you know and every all the men disappeared right they all died if somebody was walking around and looked like a man everyone would assume they were a man even if they were trans. So in that graphic novel written in 2002, that's a subplot of trans people having to prove, hey, 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 I don't have a Y chromosome, right? And Yorick does have to disguise himself so that he doesn't have to deal with that. In 2002, that's the way that story plays out in real life. In 2021, that's not the way that story plays out in real life, certainly not in the United States anyway. Yeah, and I think I think it also um, gives gives a lot of, I don't know, free space to adapt that story, to make changes as if it were happening in 2001 or 2021, excuse me, versus 2002. I, I, I think this this gives feels like a nice, good green check mark on it, an issue. After 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 our, our discussion of like, OK, so what are they going to do? And that's a challenge and they might meet the challenge. They might not. This feels obvious to me like, oh, right. You you said it in 2021 <laughs> instead of 2002, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it it feels obvious in retrospect. I can't say I would have thought of it uh, had I not uh, had I been working on it, but Eliza Clark did. Good for her. Yeah, and and it kind of confirms, uh, it, or it, I guess disproves po- the possible other option where you do set it in 2002 and you do have to suddenly right write you it done that. in that you could have done that, and it, I don't think anybody would have been happier about that decision. Sure. Um, FX shared that Atlanta season three just finished shooting. It's expected to premiere in 2022, but they are not yet setting the schedule because it has a lengthy post-production apparently, uh, which is partly, uh, made lengthier because they're already in production for season four of Atlanta. So good news is we're getting season three and four of Atlanta and one's in the can, uh, and season four has all of its scripts written, but because of the way they're doing it because of COVID, uh, interrupting uh, the production, it's going to take a little longer to get season three, uh, and we we are they're they're certain it's going to come out in 2022. They just don't know when. Uh, mm-hmm. They're like that's a that's kind of Donald Glover driving that train. How many you know how he wants to schedule things and and all of that. But uh, if you didn't realize, season three and four were shot in Paris and Amsterdam. We are not in Atlanta. Oh uh, no, I didn't know that. But two as far as I know, that's because the characters go to Paris and Amsterdam. Uh, I don't think they're pretending it's Atlanta. Uh, that, that would be very funny, that though. That would be really weird. Yeah, this yeah. the Tower of Atlanta. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, the Atlanta Tower. Oh, and uh, Atlanta and its famous dikes that you have to, you know, hold back the waters from Atlanta mm. Dam, we call it. This, uh, you know, this is a good sign because I feel like people who were into Atlanta or follow Donald Glover kind of know that it takes a while, right? This is not a season in season out season in season out. This is like, he's coming back to the show and it's a good sign that he's, they're signaling that he's got a lot of hands on, you know, direction with that. That seems to be something that FX goes out of its way to do for shows like this, where the creators or the stars are very involved in, in the process. And we often, because so often the suits win against the creative types that we often uh, think, oh, yeah, you should just listen to what the creative types want and let them do it. Uh, there is another side to that, which is you let the creative types do whatever they want. And without supervision and limits, uh, you don't get anything done. It's not good. Like you do have to have a balance. It's just the balance usually goes too far the other way. So we're used to pushing against it. What I love about Atlanta is it does seem to be a very good balance of uh, if you trust me, Donald Glover, Mm -hmm. uh, to do this right and give me the time I need to do it, 
it will get done and it will be amazing. And, and Atlanta seasons one and two award-winning, excellent seasons. So he, I think he's earned, you know, the, the, the credit to, to be like, all right, good. Yes. Obviously there's some limits, but we will work with you. We, we trust you, which is great. Yeah. I mean, the fact that season, assuming these mean that all of season three and four are shot in Europe, like that's a lot of trust. That's expensive. That's an expensive show to do that. That requires a lot of trust in, in, in your talent. And, and yeah, yeah. I, I think FX has shown nothing but trust certainly for Atlanta. Netflix announced casting for its live action avatar, the last airbender series, Albert Kim of sleepy hollow and Nikita has taken over as showrunner from the original avatars creators. Remember we, uh, we talked about it on cord killers back uh, last year. They left the show saying, I'm sure it can be good, but it's not what we want. Uh, and that made everybody very nervous. Uh, but Albert Kim has stepped in, seems confident. The show is going to feature Gordon Cormier, uh, who you may have seen in the stand as Ong uh, Kiawento. Beans uh, is something, uh, or, or as Ong, sorry. Kiawento from Beans is going to play Katara. Ian Osley from 13 Reasons Why is Sokka. And Dallas Yu, uh, who you will see in the upcoming Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings, will be Zuko. Cool. I, I, man, you know, the losing those creators, um, feels like a, feels like a hurdle that this show has to work its way back out of, you know, does oh, that yeah. make sense? Yeah. The, uh, I do not envy Albert Kim and Netflix, uh, in the task they have to, to gain back trust from the audience, uh, in that situation. Uh, but, uh, the proof's always in the pudding. Uh, as soon as the first episode hits, you know, or in Netflix's case, the whole season hits, uh, we'll know right away. Uh, and hopefully people don't trash an otherwise good property because they're mad. Uh, get, what I would say is, you know, get, go in with an open mind, give it a chance. Um, and, you know, and, and then make your judgment from there. And I think if you're looking for a barometer when it comes to Netflix, I mean, it'll it would be it would not be a strong sign if this doesn't happen, but it would be a strong sign if it does. If Netflix preemptively renews this for a second season, that would be, uh, I think, yep. the thing to look out for. As we need a good sign, this is a good sign about yeah, the show. Yeah, we we like it. We're good. We're confident enough to make a to approve a second season. Yeah, yeah I mean, point. They, yeah, they're gonna know if it's good or not. They'll know. Amazon Studios doesn't think New Zealand's good anymore, though. Uh, it has decided to shift future production of its Lord of the Rings-based series to the UK uh, after filming season one in New Zealand, wrapped on August 2nd. Post-production of season one will continue in New Zealand uh, until next June, they think. But pre-production on season two is ramping up in the UK, and it's it's quite a deal in New Zealand that this is leaving. It's a lot of money. Remember, Amazon's spending a record amount of money on this. Uh, that's money that won't be spent in New Zealand. It, of course, does open up some capacity for other productions to come to New Zealand. Uh, but there's a lot of hand-wringing over why. Amazon hasn't really said why. A lot of people think maybe it's the harsh COVID uh, restrictions that New Zealand uh, puts on people. They, they allow these productions to come, but there's a lot of restrictions on who can come and testing and quarantine and all that, uh, which the UK frankly doesn't have. Uh, I also think it might just be that Amazon thinks it's cheaper to do it in the UK. Uh, I, I, I don't know. What do you think, Bryce? Yeah, it's, it's bizarre because there was such a big brouhaha of, okay, well, New Zealand is giving you all of these tax breaks, all these tax credits and now, you know, you're kind of jumping ship more or less, right? Like, is it is it going so bad there that this is it is better to move on the other side of the globe, or or is it the UK made a better deal? Like, I would love to know the answer, and we're I think this will be something we never know, but. It's so strange. Do they just want it to look like Game of Thrones? Do they want it to? I don't know. We pick, <laughs> we make the idea like New Zealand looks like Middle Earth, right? Because right. they shot the other, they shot the films there. Well, they're doing so much post production on this. Here, here's a theory, oh. and this this is just winding its way through my brain right now. So it might be horrible, but they're doing so much post production. Remember, they're doing like a year of post production on season one from New Zealand. They may have looked at that and said, "Well, oh. oh, shoot." We can make anything look like New Zealand. <laughs> it had to be there. Yeah. We're covering the whole thing with post-production anyway. Let's just shoot it on a stage at Pinewood 
uh, in the UK. You know, we already we're already renting it for this other thing. Like, I don't know. I could see there being a calculation like that. Yeah, I mean, most of those Marvel movies are shot in in England, even the ones that don't take place there, right? Just because yeah. they just need a bunch of green screens and maybe. Maybe yeah, it's hard to know if this is like this show is so big that these costs uh, get amplified or it was a bad experience or maybe it's maybe it's not a good show and they need to cut costs. I don't I know. We, we won't know for a very long time. If ever. by all accounts, it's not a bad experience. Nobody's I, I didn't see anybody suggesting that New Zealand is ruining things. Sure. The only thing I saw was the even with the tax breaks, the difficulty because of covid. And New Zealand's, you know, very harsh restrictions have have even had other productions move to Australia or or other places. Uh, and, you know, some people are criticizing uh, Jacinda, the prime minister of New Zealand, uh, about that. But, you know, that the, these are weird times. So yeah. it, I guess it would be interesting if they go to UK for season two. COVID goes away, restrictions get released. Do they go back to New Zealand or do they just stick in the UK because they're there now? I don't know. Right, because then you've got, okay, well, now we have to pick up and move all again to the all other the side of the yeah. globe. It's not a big, it's not a small decision. It's I, Amazon. They're, they're probably just going to deep fake the whole thing. They're not even going to use actors anymore. <laughs> they think it'll be easy. They think they can switch in two days. Yeah, they're going to be doing it at DeepMind <laughs> up in Oxford. That's why it's in the UK. All right, here's a few other notes. FX has approved season four of What We Do in the Shadows ahead of the premiere of season three, which sign. is coming September 2nd. That's good a good sign. sign. It's what you're talking about, Bryce. It's a good sign. I'm excited. Good show. Uh, Robert Rodriguez's El Rey Network, uh, which we mentioned before, is moving from cable to uh, online, has reached a deal with Roku to be available on its free streaming app. Uh, Roku's free streaming app, outdistancing Pluto and Zumo and others uh, these days as, as being a place where people watch free streaming TV. And Netflix released a trailer for the animated series Q-Force, which features the voices of Wanda Sykes, David Harbour, Sean Hayes, and others telling the story of an intelligence agent who comes out as gay and is then assigned to West Hollywood, where he puts together a ragtag team of queer geniuses. Uh, that one's arriving September 2nd. You're saying that, that when the teaser came out before... Eh, maybe not the best reaction. How's the trailer? Uh, I like this trailer. You know, it, 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 I don't know that this maybe made um, a huge wave when that initial teaser came out, but it was, um, you know, I talk about Netflix doesn't always make good trailers. They especially don't always make good teasers. Mm. And it, this one was, um, it, you know, I, uh, outside of where my feelings are on the show that I've never seen, I had seen things like people who worked on the show and animators saying, Oh, this is, we don't love this teaser either. We think it doesn't fully express the range of, um, uh, let's say, perspectives and stances that the show has. Gotcha. Uh, where I think this trailer is a little more, uh, a little more mainstream, a little more everybody. And, um, and I think it looks good. I'm excited. I like the idea of the show. I'm, I uh, am pro representation, especially for queer characters. And I, I like, I like this trailer. Tom, did you yeah. see it? Did, how, how do you feel? About I it? did. I, I I thought it was interesting how right up front there they have you know the 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 uh, the scene where that I imagined from reading the description would be much softer played, and it's not. Uh, the scene is you know the head of the CIA, I guess, the intelligence agency, uh, about to to hand uh, Sean Hayes character a promotion. And then in the acceptance speech, he comes out as gay and they immediately just take it away. Like, <laughs> oh, a uh, mistake doesn't have anything to do with you being gay, but you're going to West Hollywood. Uh, it's like, wow. OK, so just like super prejudice right out on Front Street. Uh, and it goes on for there. So I'm like, all right. So they're not pulling any punches was the impression I got from this trailer. And I think it's I think what's interesting about that is that part of the trailer, that part of the show takes place in 2011. Like. It, it it wears on its sleeve, hey, this actually also is a perspective of a different time where that's a good point. yeah, where that that reaction probably would be more more likely than a 2021 version of events. We've come a long way, baby. That's right.
is what you should get from this trailer. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's say what we've had our eyes on. Uh, Bryce, uh, now that we've wrapped up Hannibal, what are you doing with yourself? I've been I've been I've been teasing this in front of the guys on After Talk that I might subject them to this, but I ended up biting the bullet this weekend and I watched not just the first uh, and the second, but but two and a half of the uh, the Hannibal films, including Ooh. The Silence of the Lambs. Um, and it's it's fascinating watching uh, watching Anthony Hopkins's portrayal of Hannibal Lecter because we just spent how many months watching right. uh, Mads Mikkelsen as it, as it, and it's interesting seeing the ways that uh, the the ways that they're similar and dissimilar, and um, and the other the other very specific thing about it was it was very easy to find uh, the Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal are just streaming on YouTube. Yeah, I, oh. I just Googled them and they are not on YouTube. pirated, uh, evading the algorithm no. like. Just legitimately streaming on the YouTube movies verified account. Yeah. Huh. At, which went, made it very easy for sure. And then I watched part of red dragon. I didn't get to finish, but that was on HBO, but um, it, it's silence of the lambs, especially is like a fab, a fantastic movie. It is a, it's a great mystery thriller. And, um, and, and it's been just fun watching, watching it right so right after seeing the shows which spent yeah, so yeah. much of season three adapting these exact movies and stories <laughs> <laughs> okay now you've got me excited at least to watch <laughs> silence of the lambs now yeah uh, because i want to see those those differences between mads and hopkins uh i you? was uh we eileen and i <clears throat> i don't know Less than a month ago three three weeks ago uh we watched the first episode of mayor of east town right after it it, it wrapped up and everybody on social media exploded about the finale. We're like, okay, I guess we had to check this out. We liked it, but it's a gritty, you know, East coast, new England factory town, everybody's struggling kind of murder mystery. And we're like, okay, that's not a fun watch. So we put off <laughs> watching episode two, uh, over the weekend, we ended up finally watching episode two, and then we binged the, the, the rest of the episodes. There's seven episodes in the season. Oh, wow. Uh, Man, the one thing I want to say is that Mare is Mare. You forget who's playing her to the point where, like, I can't even tell you her name right now. Kate Winslet. Kate, Kate thank Winslet. You. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kate Winslet disappears and it's Mare. Uh, in fact, there was one episode where she dresses up to go out on a date, the character mayor, right? Who's a, who's a Sergeant detective dresses up to go out on a date. And I catch myself thinking like, Hey, mayor is kind of pretty when she, you know, puts on makeup. And then I'm like, Oh, right. Cause she's Kate Winslet. It's Kate Winslet. Tom. Yeah. But I had totally forgotten that. Um, so you don't think you're, you're looking at Kate Winslet the whole time. It's, it's a clever, uh, story, lots of twists and turns, lots of surprises, uh, and I knew that, and I still got surprised and shocked. In fact, one particular thing I think in episode six had uh, Eileen and I doing the you know Ned Stark uh, for, from Game of Thrones look at each other like, what <laughs> did they just do? Uh, so it's it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, it's on HBO Max. Check it out, Mayor of Easttown. Very cool. What should we be on the lookout for, Bryce? Hey, we got a email from. Uh... Kevin, I, uh, Kevin, I believe, by the middle of it's Kevin, about a recent AMC show. Kevin writes, uh, Hi, Killers. I have never recommended anything to you before, but I had to do this one. On AMC is a show called Kevin Can F Himself. F is the expletive word. Um, I still don't know what to make of it yet, but after three episodes, I'm wondering where they're going to take it. It's both a dark show and a colorful comedy starring Annie Murphy opposite her sitcom-esque husband, Kevin, played by Eric Peterson. And uh, uh, Murphy's character, the lead, is supposed to be—it's it, supposed to be her life. It—it—it's—it it partially seems like a very colorful sitcom life. It's shot in sitcom style, multi-camera with a laugh track. Um, but then it cuts away when it's not in the comedy. The colors darken, the laugh track goes away, and you have almost a, a thriller of a of a different life. Uh, uh, Kevin continues, I can't really explain it, but I think once you sit through the first three episodes, you'll be hooked. I know Brian is picky about his shows, and I would love to hear all of your theories about this show. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, yeah, this just aired on AMC. They're streaming it on the AMC website. If you've got a cable account or if you've got the AMC Plus subscription, which I think you also need a cable account for, 
uh, you can watch it there. Have you heard about this show, Tom? I have, uh, because, you know, Annie Murphy was in, in Schitt's Creek, uh, and this was her first big role after that. I didn't quite realize the full extent. I knew it was a dark comedy with her as a, as a wife, uh, get, you know, getting back at, at a, at a, not abusive husband, maybe but like I don't an oafish know, maybe, husband. If you but, took but a look at a sitcom, oafish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize that it was like behind the scenes of a sitcom, uh, relationship. I, uh, it's I, not behind the scenes. Well, well, well not behind the scenes of a sitcom, but it's a sitcom relationship. But what if we knew what happened off screen of a sitcom relationship? Mm, sort of is yeah. the, the way I'm thinking it must be. Yeah, I, this is fascinating. I, I, I've heard good things about this. I'd like to watch it. It's not uh, streaming. Not a lot of streaming. AMC so so restrictive about some of their streaming stuff. But. AMC Plus, you you do you just, if you just pay for. It. Hmm. You, oh. can just, you can just pay for it now. You don't need the cable subscription to get it. Oh, very nice. That's oh, yeah. that's that's good to hear. Well, if you've got something you should be on the lookout for, email it to us, please, at cordkillers at gmail.com. Thank you, Kevin. Hey, folks, as we might remind you uh, every week, uh, our show is literally powered by electricity, but <laughs> that electricity goes right into Doghouse Systems PCs. Mm. Uh, so if you want uh, to support them for supporting us, go to doghousesystems.com slash road and you'll get a free solid state drive. Uh, meanwhile, Brian and I like to mention some of our other projects, and I've got one. It's an audio book called Project Vera, uh, available at tomsnewbook.com on Audible. It's a multi-narrator cast, Joanna Gaskell, Kareem Cronfleet, Dave Robeson, and John M. Uh, doing not, a, not, not exactly an audio play, but taking the story of Project Vera and applying multiple voices, some light sound effects, and kind of a hybrid approach to create the world that you're in. Uh, the idea of Project Vera is that there is a secret society that influences world events uh, that, uh, for the first time in their centuries, runs into a problem they're not sure they can fix, and they need Vera's help. Turns out, though, the problem is her brother. Uh, so, I don't know, should she choose the world? Her brother? Should she trust these people? Go check it out. Tom's new book. I'm torn! I'm yeah. torn about it. Find out. Let's move on to the front lines. Front lines. Disney Plus subscribers increased over 100% on the year uh, in Q3 to 116 million paid subscribers, beating analyst estimates. That's putting them right up there near Netflix now. ESPN Plus subscribers up 75% to 14.9 million, quite a, quite a few less, but still growing strong. Hulu subscriptions grew 21% to 42.8 million. Disney's Bob Chapek said they have figured out a way to share that wealth with stars, even if they release their movies online at the same time as theaters. Uh, hint, hint, drop your lawsuit, Black <laughs> Widow, uh, I think is probably what he was saying, but he had to mention that in the earnings report. Uh, he also reaffirmed that Shang-Chi will have a theatrical exclusive for 45 days. And when it comes to Disney+, Plus, it may just come for free after the 45 days. It may not get a premium price. Uh, Disney Plus also coming to more markets. South Korea, Hong Kong, and Taiwan will be getting it in November. If you didn't realize it, Disney Plus currently only available in Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Singapore, India, Malaysia, Indonesia, the U.S., and Thailand. And he's still on Netflix's heels. I think I think more so than just catching up to Netflix, I think the big question for Disney is, what do we do with ESPN Plus and Hulu? And I think it makes so much sense to keep those brands separate and clearly Disney Plus alone can bring in 116 million paid subscribers. Yeah. They don't need the Hulu and ESPN. Those are upsells, really. And I think that's stronger to be like that than to have a, a, a Hulu button in Disney Plus or a sports yeah. button. I think you're right about Hulu particularly. Like, that is a prestige play. Like, oh, you want the adult content? Well, you can get Hulu. It's a separate thing. Uh, ESPN Plus is a holding pattern. ESPN Plus is there to slowly become ESPN. Uh, in, in 20 years, we're going to be like, oh, they used to call it ESPN Plus. Now it's just ESPN. Uh, as they extricate themselves from the cable world, they will move more and more things over to ESPN Plus. At least that's my theory. And I, I think that'll be better for sports in the long yeah. run. Uh, TCL will release updated versions of its five series and six series TVs that will run Google TV. Now, TCL hastens to caution oh. you. They're not moving away from Roku. They're still going to have Roku OS TCL TVs. They just want to offer a choice. 
The TCL 6 series with Google TV will be capable of 4K at 120 hertz, topping out at 1300 bucks. And TCL's Google TVs will also come with an always-on microphone so that you can use Google Assistant voice commands. Now, you uh. will be able to disable that if you don't like the mic listening to you. Um, but uh, check that out. That's the new TCL TVs with Google TV. We're, we're, we're getting to a point where, like, you will buy your TV and you have to, like, pick the operating system, right? I mean, yeah. if it's, it's Roku, it's Google, it will probably be Fire TV before long. Apple mm-hmm. TV probably will stick with, with their strategy of not being Just everywhere. being an app. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I I wonder if you will ever be able to buy a TV that has them all and you you just pick oh. like a multi-boot system. Because Roku and Google and, and Amazon will not want TVs to do that. So they'll, right. they'll do everything to stop that from happening. I, I, well, I think what it will crowd out is certainly what I look for, which is I don't want a smart TV. I don't want the microphone. I don't, I'll take, give me a TV with no operating system. I'd rather have that than... You can turn the 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 Amazon Echo off. Uh, I don't want to have to turn uh-huh. it off. I don't trust it, honestly. So, and and that I don't know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just recording locally, and there's a lot of auditing on how it works. And I know a lot of people who are very into technology who don't trust it either. <laughs> I think it's probably fine, but you know, someday I might be proven wrong. Uh, and there's there's certainly a lot of fud around it, right? There's a lot of distrust around it. So, yeah. uh, I believe what you're call, what you're wanting is called a monitor. Uh, well, but there's a monitor. There's a monitor tax, Tom. They they put a tax on that stuff. I know, I know. Aye. Because you get less. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. Uh, the box office is in rough waters as there is a new surge in COVID infections around the world, making people wary of going to theaters, even if they're open. Uh, it's not about mandates. It's about people going. Nah, do I want to sit in a theater for two and a half hours? Maybe I don't. Still, Free Guy from Disney took in twenty eight point four million dollars domestically last weekend. Expectations had been around 20 million, so it beat that pretty handily. Uh, took in another 22.5 million worldwide for a total of 51 million. Uh, free guy had a better start than Suicide Squad, Bryce. And uh, because you could watch Suicide Squad at home, like th- this is such I, like a I've weird. Read, I've read a bunch of analysts who say we think that's accounts for a couple million with Free Guy. It's 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 the 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 general consensus is free guy wasn't going to be a big watch at home thing. This is people who just wanted to go free guy. The problem is it's all single males, uh, and they don't spend as much on concessions as families. Ah, interesting. Uh, so uh, that's interesting. Where we might enter a future where movies are not just you know geared to the demographic who will watch it, but to the demographic who will go and make theater owners concession sellers mm-hmm. better wow mm-hmm. not that families won't be going to the theaters but they're not going right now they're less likely to go because of covid right and you yeah. take a family you take kids uh i can't imagine a time where i've gone to a theater as a kid and didn't want concessions and didn't get some <sighs> man i'm so jealous my parents <laughs> never let us have concessions oh, really adamant no we don't pay that's overpriced but maybe now or, you're an adult who gets kind of wish fulfillment. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Exactly. Exactly. Sports-focused cable replacement service Fubo TV beat expectations with a gain of 91,000 subscribers over last year, bringing it to a total of 682,000. They think they're going to get pretty close to a million by the end of the year. And revenue tripled to 130.9 million uh, by 200, uh, $130.9 million advertising had a 281% increase in ad revenue. So that that's what was driving that 130.9 million revenue. So Fubo, knocking it out of the park, doing great. Is is this a, uh, a I don't know, a, a reflection on the loss of, what was it, Sling that just shut down? Uh, no, 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 not Sling. Um, no, not Sling. Sling didn't show me. You just scared a bunch of people. Sorry, like, no, um, like, my Sling doesn't work. I just watched it. Uh, no, didn't we just talk about a View, like PlayStation View going away? Like, I, I wonder if if that's what we'll start to see in, in terms of these It's been a reactions. year since PlayStation View went away. I though. thought something else um, just ended. You've got Hulu Live TV. You've got YouTube TV. You've got Sling. Uh, you have... AT&T TV is becoming direct TV stream. You're not thinking of that, is it? Because uh, a lot of people think not. AT&T TV is going away. It's just changing its name. Yeah, um, I, I guess I, I guess this is either, 
the idea I'm thinking is either the reduction of other services will push some people over to to any other service, including Fubo. And I think Fubo, by continuing to, to hammer home sports, 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 we are the sports. Let's get Tom Merritt to call us the sports streaming TV. Um, that is powerful. And I think that they're seeing that this, there is a market here uh, that is that is dedicated to it. Well, and, and the weirdest thing uh, is that uh, you you don't have all the sports. They they have a, a dispute with Warner, so they didn't have the NBA. Uh, and nobody can get a deal with Bally's, which is the regional sports networks for, for local games. So they don't have yet that. But the sports they do have, like soccer and things, they're, they're doing well with. So, yeah. Somebody, somebody's saying sling ends next year. I, a sling box. Sling, that sling, it, sling box ends next year. Not, not sling. Not sling, sling TV. TV. Is fine. Yeah. yeah. Apologies. Those are, those are different. Sling subscribers. Different, entirely different. <laughs> uh, Amazon is set to acquire MGM sometime next year. Uh, if you listen to the show, you know that I keep reminding people that they announced an acquisition they hope to complete. It doesn't complete for a long time. And the first roadblock has been put in its way. Four major labor unions wrote a letter to the USFTC requesting the acquisition not be allowed. The letter claimed harmful vertical integration would increase an already anti-competitive situation if Amazon owned MGM. And the letter said, if you do allow the merger, which we don't think you should do, definitely you need to put conditions on it to stop anti-competitive behavior. This is interesting. So is... is uh, uh... Do, do we know what the labor unions are? Is this like a, a, a thing where, uh, you know, Hollywood production staff are afraid of, of, of union free, um, oh, shoots? Yeah. oh yeah. Amazon, very unfriendly to unions, wow. uh, in its other businesses and its retail businesses. Uh, and the, so, yeah, these are, these are the major unions in entertainment get, getting together to be like, oh no, Amazon, you, you need to concede to some stuff. They, I, they, I don't think they believe they can stop the merger, although I'm sure they'd be perfectly happy if they could, because they've got a union shop at MGM and they don't want Amazon coming in and mucking about with it. What I think their, their hope is, is that they can get Amazon to agree to the things that will be beneficial to the union and keep MGM, uh, in, in the union sense, uh, where it is now, at least that that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get Amazon to agree to conditions that will be favorable to the union after Amazon takes over MGM. Mm. I, 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 I think this is a good idea. I'm, I'm pro, uh, pro production unions. I, I think this is strong and there's, there's, there's a lot of productions under MGM. This is not just here's a production company, they do their own thing. This is, a, there's a lot that falls It's an entire here. studio. Right. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm for it. Hey, uh, Bryce, you remember when HBO Max updated its app and then it stopped working for everybody and then they they pulled the update? I do remember that. That stunk. Uh, yeah, it really it. did stunk. Even after they rolled it back, though, the existing app still has problems, which they had been trying to fix <laughs> with that other update. <laughs> uh, so... They're ready to try again. Vulture's sources say that HBO Max is going to replace its apps with new versions that work better within the next four to five months. Uh, word is Roku and PlayStation get them first, followed by Apple TV, then mobile and web sometime after the first of the year. You know what, Tom? I was watching I, I, I was watching Red Dragon earlier on HBO Max, like I mentioned. I've been watching some other stuff on there. And... On my laptop, even I keep running into issues with it. You know, I, I so I'm glad to hear that this includes web because even their web UI is fine, but it often stops me. It gets buffering. It I have to reload the page. I have to re-log in, and yeah. all of that stuff. You can't have friction like that if you're if what you're offering people is a buffet of content. You can't run out of plates. Yeah. Um... Some of the buffering and stuff, you never know if it's really the app or the service or your own internet connection or whatever, but sure. there's definitely some things like scrubbing and, and stuff that just, just don't work real well. So uh, it would be nice if, uh, the, the the assumption is they rushed they rushed the HBO Max app mm -hmm. uh, and, and didn't get it all squared away. And this will fix a lot of those problems. Yeah, what I read in that Vulture thing was that this is the result of building their app on top of, say, the HBO uh, Go yeah. app or the HBO Now app. And yeah. the fact that they are integrating uh, ad an ad-supported tier means that all sorts of stuff is not made for that. And um, yeah. it's it's probably better that they start fresh. They should. It's You get 
code rot. Yeah. And also when you start fresh, um, you get a lot of bugs that you didn't find out until you push it out to everybody. So looking forward <laughs> to that too. Great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get to the dispatches from the front. Chris Denny wrote in, said, I loved hearing your discussion about Doctor Who potential replacements. What about the next showrunner? Uh, Chris Ooh. Denny, not a big fan of Chris Chibnall's uh, reign at Doctor Who. Uh, so what about the next showrunner? Uh, we were just trying to keep it focused on on the Doctor. Uh, also, because we didn't have as many options being presented for the next showrunner. But I'm very curious. I don't have any requests nor clues about who the next showrunner might be. Huh. Uh some people are fantasizing, including Chris Denny, that, you know, maybe they bring back uh, Davies, uh, who was the showrunner that brought Doctor Who back originally uh, back in the early 2000s. Um, what, what I don't is, know. Do you have a thought on that? I, I, I don't because I haven't seen the show. What it, Do you have a general temperature gauge of what the fandom is or, or even your personal gauge on how the previous showrunner did? I, I was I like Chris Chibnall. I thought he's done great stuff before this, and I I, I didn't I don't agree with Chris Denny uh, on this. I didn't think he was that awful. Uh, I thought he did fine. On the other hand, I thought he could have done better. I expected uh. I expected it to be over the top, especially given the first few episodes of of his first season, uh, and so I didn't get the the revolution that I've been hoping. Uh, Russell T Davies, he recreated it. And so it's kind of hard to compare because it had been gone for a decade before he came in and he did a masterful job in those seasons. But even Russell T. Davis did some things that I'm like, okay, that was a little corny or that was a little odd. Uh, and, and so Stephen Moffat, uh, I, I think every, every showrunner since then has suffered the, you did great with this. And in your reign, you did a couple of great things, but we all wanted perfection because <laughs> uh, I've heard exactly the same thing about Stephen Moffat that I've heard about Chris Chibnall. Uh, so I, I I don't know. It, it's almost a job that no one would want because it doesn't feel like you can make everybody happy. Mm. Uh, so maybe they should just bring Russell T. Davis back. I don't know. What, uh, which would you rather prefer? A new showrunner come in to iterate, say, on the previous direction of the, se- of the previous, say, series or have a new showrunner come in and try to, again, reinvent the whole thing. Let's start from scratch and really make a bunch of big changes. Because I imagine that that would be something that people would be a little hesitant of on paper, is I'm going to make a ton of changes. Yeah, well, the, the beauty of Doctor Who, because the Doctor regenerates, is you can always do that when and not really be changing anything. Because it's like, oh, the Doctor regenerated, and now it's an entirely new situation. Nobody's that concerned about consistency. Like... Yeah, everybody keeps the you know the lore of Doctor Who very closely, but but no one's too concerned about like oh will will the why isn't the Doctor ever finding themselves when they travel in time so much right? <laughs> uh, so I'm fine with let's have the Doctor make fun adventures. I I think if you brought someone in who changed the tone, right the 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 tone changed a little under Chibnall, but not that much. Uh, I I don't know. I love the doctor as a fast talking, super smart doctor, and that's been preserved all the way, most from Eccleston, really, but certainly from Tennant uh, forward with different takes. I'd hate to lose that. That's the one thing I love. Yeah. Uh, and then Marcus wrote in and said, a few weeks ago, I purchased an OTT cable package, YouTube TV, so I could watch all of the Olympics content. And today I canceled it as intended. Great. That's how it's supposed to work. That's awesome, Marcus. Uh, Marcus says, the whole experience reminded me of why I killed the cord years ago. I'm completely floored that people pay so much money for the privilege of being interrupted by annoying commercials several times throughout a show. I'm glad we have alternatives now. And Marcus, man, watching any sports is a huge reminder of that. And especially NBC's Olympics coverage. At times, you're like, really? 12 commercials in a break? Like, that's, that's and crazy. The Olympics would do weird things like uh, I would see a trailer for a movie and it would have Olympic footage in it. Like like <laughs> it, 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 footage that is like not in this movie, like weird stuff like that. I, I saw a tick. This is, this is related. I saw a TikTok the other day that was saying like, Hey, traditional advertising is becoming less effective because so many young people are coming up with things like Netflix or ad free options on Hulu or YouTube. 
And I think that we're going to see this more, not less. We're going to see people sign up for an event like the Olympics, like uh, a Super Bowl, what have you, and be shocked every year by advertisements. And we'll see those efforts get pushed into other things like native advertising or brand yeah, deals, that, influencers, stuff like that. First of all, everyone says advertising isn't effective. <laughs> and it's totally effective. But also, advertisers don't know how to measure its effectiveness. <laughs> right. So. There's something to it, but it's always more effective than you think. People are like, advertising doesn't work on me, but it does. That means it's working when you don't think it's working <laughs> on you. That's that's how, how it actually works. You, yeah. you go to the store and you buy something and you're not exactly sure why. Uh, but I think you're absolutely right, Bryce, that the advertising has to change. The old pattern of like, everybody will just sit there while we play 12 ads in a row because that's the way it's always been done. Uh, that doesn't wash anymore. You've got to have, like you said, native advertising inserts, uh, things that that aren't as disruptive as that traditional ad break, I think. And and that's going to be so difficult on TV because, you know, the the actual you know, the flight schedule, like the, like the shows are made to run for a certain amount of time and have a certain amount of ad space on it. That that's a, such a fundamental thing to the way t television is broadcast that that has to also shift majorly if there are major shifts in advertising. And I think yeah. that's going to be a very tough thing. It, could, yeah. it can, but it'll be tough. Well, that's it for Cord Killers, folks. Thanks for being here. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. We're live on twitch.tv slash night attack. Also on diamondclub.tv, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you next time. Hey, Tom Merritt, what's going yes. on? Uh, I'm just hanging out here watching this scroll go by. Uh, what are you doing? Trying to set up a bit where we thank our beautiful, beautiful patrons, all these wonderful names. I'm sorry, names. I'm too distracted looking at these beautiful, beautiful patron names going by. Look at that one. I mean, if you wanted to be one of these people, patreon.com slash cordkillers would be the place to go. I mean, they're, yeah. scra they're, they're scratching our itch, like, because we're I think addicted. as long as it's consensual, like, we're, we're addicted to their money. And love. Might as well face it. Well, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>